Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Hey friends, welcome to a brand new season of the Abide Podcast. I am pumped for this season because we are going to have so many guests from so many different wonderful ministries across Texas joining us in our discussion of disciple making. So the last thing that we talked about on the podcast was the marks of a disciple. It was a three-week mini-series about the characteristics that make up a biblical disciple. So as a refresher, we at Coastal College defined a biblical disciple as a devoted follower of Christ who rightly thinks about God with their mind, supremely treasures God with their heart, and obediently serves God with their hands. And that really sets us up well to have this discussion on disciple making now that we know what a disciple is in and of itself. And so today we are going to be kicking off this series by first simply talking about why disciple making is important in the first place. So why should your average Joe Schmo Christian be concerned with making disciples? And I honestly couldn't think of a better person to help explain the importance of this than Andy Abramson. He is the founder of an organization called Elementum, and Andy has helped us uh, with our ministry in Coastal College tremendously over the past year and a half, two years, um, was just shifting to being a more disciple-making-minded ministry. That was a lot of M's right there, but uh, I'm so honored to have this discussion with him. So Andy, welcome to the Abide podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm pumped to have this conversation with you today. So go ahead, tell the people just a little bit about you and um, explain what your organization Elementum does. Yeah. So um, I live in Austin, Texas, uh, married to my wife for 24 years, have five kids, actually have two of them that are seniors right now. They're just getting ready to jump into the college years here. So we're making plans for that. (laughs) Uh, For the last 10 years, been... um, uh, a part of an organization called Elementum, and our our hope and our goal really is to partner with local churches to engage with college students and young adults. And there's really three primary ways we do that: we help equip leaders, um, creating connections; secondly, uh, through networks and relationships, and then uh, mobilizing those leaders and churches to have a greater impact. So we love it. We think we think college students college leaders are the best leaders out there. And so every day we get a chance to work with them and just really believe that it's a strategic, strategic opportunity. Yeah. Well, we've been very thankful for your help and guidance and everything. Um, So Andy, uh, I hope you come prepared because I'm about to ask you the golden question that everyone is dying to know. Golden question. (laughs) What is your favorite smell? My favorite smell. Um, so I'm a guy. And so <laughs> like anytime like meat is barbecuing, there's just something about like a steak or ribs or something like being smoked or barbecued that is just like it, it like warms my heart to smell that. So it's probably a guy answer, but totally. totally love it is. It is very much a guy answer because that is that was Chris's answer. Yeah, I totally uh, could 
that would be Chris's answer too. Yes, yes. Uh, sizzling steak, I believe, was his yeah. words. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, Andy, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, but before we get to some of the questions that we're going to discuss, I just first wanted to define disciple making so that everyone can be on the same page. Um, and so Coastal College, we, we've defined disciple making as the process of intentionally engaging with another person to lead them towards repentance and faith in Christ and equip them for the multiplication of the kingdom. So it's kind of both aspects of evangelism and discipleship. And so, Annie, my first question for you is, why is disciple making so important for not only church ministries, but also for the average Christian? Yeah, that's a great question to start out with. Well, there's there's a couple things that I would say on this. Um, one is I think Jesus commanded us to do it, right? You look at Matthew chapter 28, and just as he's getting ready to exit and go back into heaven, his his command for us was um, to, to go and to make disciples. That is part of the mission, the commission that he's given uh, believers. But secondly, like how the kingdom of God is going to expand and move forward through our lives, right? So in our local communities and our campuses, uh, within our local churches, it's how the, the, the kingdom spreads and begins to, to create movement around us. But really it's, it's, it's a call for all believers. You know, I think sometimes we can think that, um, like, uh, disciple making is for mature Christians and so and as soon as I know certain things or understand certain doctrines, um, then I'm called to make disciples. <laughs> but really, it's like this idea of wherever we're at with the people around us um, that we're called to make disciples. Now, the church, right? So you asked a question about why it's, it's important, not only for church ministries, the church is really about the way of mobilizing mm -hmm. the masses collectively to make disciples. And so mm -hmm. it's not just for the individual, yes, but it's also goes hand in hand and tied collectively with the church and how that begins to be executed on a larger scale. Right. I was talking to Chris about this earlier and he was saying, you know, if there's not disciple making, then the church dies out. You know, the, the church leadership can't do it all on their own. One, that's not how God designed it. He designed everyone to be a part of disciple making. Um, but two, also, if everyone doesn't play their part, then the church will eventually die out. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, that's not God's plan. <laughs> um, so, Looking at the Bible, uh, what can we learn about disciple making from Jesus? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that that we need to understand. Um, number one is it's intentional, and and mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of times where um, we can get hung up where we think that disciple making is just general. Yes, there's kind of general impact that we make on the people around us, but what we see from Jesus is that, that disciple making is intentional, that mm -hmm. he actually chose specific people to invest in. Yes, he loved the crowds. Yes, he engaged with the casual person as he was walking. But what we see from the life of, life of Jesus was is that he had specific people that he was intentionally investing his life into. I think secondly, we see that it's everyday life. You know, I think one of the, the misconceptions that we can think about discipleship is it's an hour of something I do in my small group <laughs> or 
or yeah. coffee that I have once a week. Well, that can be a part of it, mm-hmm. but it's more about all of my life than it mm-hmm. is a segment of my life. And I think the most important thing is to understand that it's relational. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite passages is John chapter 17. And, and here's kind of my, um, my recap of John chapter 17. In the high priestly prayer, here's what Jesus says. Father, I love you. You love me. Man, this relationship is so good that I want other people to experience this relationship as well. And so the invitation that Jesus is making is into a love relationship that him and the Father are engaged in. And so Mm -hmm. we need to understand what we're inviting people into might have curriculum and might have content, but the, the the foundation and the basis of what we're inviting people into is a relationship that we're experiencing through mm. what we see from Jesus, uh, mm. his, 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 his relationship with the Father that we've been invited into. Now we're looking around in that relationship, inviting others to participate with what we're experiencing as well. Mm. Yeah, I love that, uh, that it's you know, the emphasis on the fact that it's an intentional relationship. Um, Because just like you said, I think it's easy to get in the mindset of, well, I don't have time for that because I have my busy schedule, you know, it's, well, it's not just something you add to your schedule. It's literally your whole schedule. It's your whole life, you know? Um, Yeah. And just like you said, you know, Jesus was intentional in going to the masses, but then he was also very intentional of, you know, living his life with his 12 disciples um, and pouring into his 12 and really, you know, the three even more um, Mm -hmm. of that. Those are the people that he did life with and that is disciple making. Um, So you had mentioned earlier that the church's, kind of role is to mobilize people to be disciple makers. Um, So how would you describe disciple making in the American church today? And follow up to that would be how different is it from what we see in the Bible? Well, so I I think one of the the things around what we've done in the the American church is, is that we've systematized it. so much so that people think that it can be a curriculum mm-hmm. or it can be a program, um, which it can be, but just because you're in a small group, you're in a Sunday school class, you're in a weekly coffee meeting doesn't mean necessarily that disciple making is happening. It could, but it doesn't mean that it's happening. And so a lot of times what we've done is we've kind of swapped out disciple making for a program. We've swapped mm-hmm. it out for a curriculum. I'm going through X, Y, or Z, or I'm participating. Well, yeah, that could be disciple making, but maybe not. So it's, and it's not that we want to discredit curriculum right. or processes. We need to realize though, that it's just a vehicle to 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 see disciple making happening mm-hmm. and and really what i would say is even i think my challenge for a lot of church leaders is like is is the curriculum becoming an end of itself or is it something that's helping facilitate disciple making the, the, the mm-hmm. example i use is in a lot of ways um it's like teaching people how to ride a bike so i think about my five kids um you know I taught them how to ride their bike. And I remember, so, you know, we're living in a cul-de-sac in Minnesota 
And uh, what I did is I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put training wheels on the bike, right? And so what you're going to do is you're going to learn how to pedal and steer at the same time and kind of get comfortable. Well, then after a few weeks, one Saturday, I come out and say, okay, dad's taking the training wheels off. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold the back of the bike Mm -hmm. while I run with you. And then eventually, as you get your balance, I'm going to begin to take my hand off and then catch you if you, you know, all of a sudden you need more balance. And then eventually you could do it by yourself. Mm. And, and now I just pick you up and get you back on the bike. Curriculum needs to, to, to do the same thing, right? So in some ways, like you want it to help people to kind of facilitate a relationship and move it forward. But the goal is not to have a 40 year old on training wheels, right? right? We want, we want to begin to help people move of saying, this might be a vehicle and pathway to start you in disciple making, but the goal is is to see it go much deeper and that's what we see that's different from the bible right a lot of times in the church what we've done is we've systematized it we've kind of scheduled it it's on tuesday afternoons or thursday evening for an hour an hour and a half and we sit around we have cookies and you know um and and we talk about certain questions which what we see within the bible is that those conversations and those relationships are a part of it, but it's much deeper than that. It's people living life together. It's eating together. It's, it's engaging consistently um, moving and moving forward. And so like what we've done at the church is we've, I think we, we've tried to help people create some systems, but then they become tied to those systems and begin to kind of compartmentalize disciple making Mm -hmm. into a program, into a slot within a week, not giving them a full exposure really of what disciple making looks like. Mm. Yeah. And I was, uh, kind of thinking about it through the lens of, um, Sunday mornings and how there seems to be a lot of churchgoers and not a lot of disciple makers. Um, And I've been reading, I've been reading uh, Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, which is just like a punch in the gut. Um, But he, I was reading and he said that, you know, at the mega church that he used to pastor, he, uh, with his staff, did this exercise of, um, And he said, you know, write down, make a list of all of the things that people expect from our church. So that list consisted of things like um, a well-communicated sermon or a certain uh, genre of music or, um, you know, childcare, age-specific ministries, those kind of things. And then he said, okay, now make another list of what God commands the church to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that list contained things like love one another, bear each other's burdens, make disciples of all nations, things like that. Um, and he, then he posed the question, what would make people more upset if the church didn't provide the things from the first list or the things from the second list? And I was like, yep. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, you know, I hear so many so many times people they're church shopping and they're looking for things that fit their needs because they don't have this disciple making um minded priority in their life of the church is here to one be the church and you know have fellowship together corporate worship is 
obviously so, so important, good Bible-centered, gospel-centered teaching, um, but also the church is here to equip me to go out and do the work of the saints, you know, to do yes. the work of disciple-making. And so, yeah, I'm in the middle of that book right now. So anyone who, you know, wants to rethink their entire life, just read that book. That's a good one, <laughs> yep. So what are some things that hinder people from making disciples? Yeah, I think... Uh, Fear, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, fear is one of the things that, that prevents us from doing the things that the spirit of God is, is pushing us to do. And so I, I think fear is the primary one, but even how some of that kind of maybe plays out in some secondary things is, you know, we can think like, I don't have all the answers, which can be a super intimidating thing for somebody, right? If you're, right. if you're listening to this and you're a new believer, well, what if I don't know the answer? Or what if I, you know, and, and so like thinking that we don't have enough information can be one of those things that hinder us. And and I think honestly, and you're talking about this, Laura, like, like, I, I think that even it just not being modeled for us, you know, I think what we have done in the in the local church is we've not modeled it for people right. that have given them a vision and a picture of what it looks like to follow Christ. That um, we always talk about that that disciple making is a non negotiable. It's not optional, right? Mm-hmm. It's what we're commanded to do. And and how little do we um, cast that vision for people? Even what I would say early on is we're discipling somebody of saying, hey, like, I want to pour my life into you. But my goal is for that you can turn around and do this for somebody else, right? Of casting that vision early enough so it's modeled to them so they can begin to to understand what that looks like. Right. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about this and, you know, I, I thought the same thing of, I think it's mainly fear for those who know that it is a command to every Christian. Um, But I also think there's a good majority of people who claim to be Christians who don't think it's their responsibility. Um, They think that it's the responsibility of the church leaders. Um, It's our job to do that. It's not their job to do that. And, um, you know, I was kind of thinking about how can I put this in as an example into context. Um, And so I think that, you know, if you um, if you are convinced enough about something, even if you are have a little bit of fear um, about it, you don't know how to do this, you're, you're scared that people are going to look at you weird, you're scared of rejection, scared of failure, all of that. Um, but if you are convinced or convicted enough about something, you will find a way to go about it anyway. You know, think of like a 15-year-old who doesn't know how to drive, but they are convinced enough that one day um, they will want to be able to drive, take themselves places, be independent. And so they don't just say, well, I don't know how to drive, so I'm just never going to drive. Or I'm scared to learn, so I'm just not going to. No, they they push past that in order to go after what they want. So that's the same thing with, I think, with disciple making. We can't now, this might be a little bold, but we can't keep making excuses like, I don't know how, or I'm scared of what people will think. We can't keep letting that hold us back from stepping into the role that God designed for us to play. Um, you know, if we don't know how, talk to someone, learn how, figure out how. Um, if you're scared of judgment, rejection, you know, start praying for for that confidence, and that boldness, um, and just get out there <laughs> and do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, having talked about 
kind of the, some of the things that hold people back from disciple making. Um, Andy, what are some practical steps that people can take to move to be disciple makers in their own context? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to a comment that I made before is that we need to realize like at the very kind of foundation of it is, is that it starts with our relationship with God first, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can't pass on what we aren't experiencing. And so one of the things I would encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast is understand that disciple making really starts with your love for God first. And it's going to become an outflow of that love for God that is going to permeate and 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 move into the lives of other people. But here, here's some practical steps that I would give. So start with a love of God foundation. Um, the first thing I would say is uh, to identify uh, who are the people that God might be leading you towards? And, and so I, I think too, is that we need to acknowledge the role of the spirit of God in this, that he will strategically put people around us uh, in order for us to begin to engage. And so I would just encourage you as kind of the first step of acknowledging your role, but also beginning to pray and say, God, who are the people around me specifically that you're identifying that you want me to begin to pour into. And so I think prayer, um, moving through the spirit of God, I I think the next step is really critical is in actually making an ask. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times what we do is that we can, like I talked about before, kind of general discipleship, but I think it's important to make an ask to somebody, Hey, can I meet with you every week and and to begin to open up the scriptures together and share my life with you? Will you, maybe you're somebody who needs to be discipled. You know, we all do need to be discipled, but making that ask of somebody. And so I think that's a key part of once you've identified somebody of making that ask. And then I would say it's really about consistency and it's really about consistency of specifics, but also consistency of opening up our lives to other people. I always give the example, some of the best discipleship of college students that I've been a part of is college students who've lived in our home, right? Mm -hmm. So to invite them into our home to say, yes, we might have specific times that we're meeting together, opening up the word together, praying together, but I also want to invite you into my life. And so I want to challenge us to be consistent in opening our lives to other people. So think about relationship, understand that that's a foundation, identify who those people are. Step one, step two, making that ask. And step three, opening our lives and being consistent with, with people around us. Yeah. I kind of want to emphasize that, you know, being consistent part. Um, I think just for college students in general, that can be a difficult thing to do. But, um, you know, when we look at the early church um, in Acts 2.42, it says, you know, they devoted themselves mm-hmm. to um, the word and fellowship and prayer together. Um, and so I think that, that the key word there is devoted. Um, they They weren't in it for just, you know, a once a week meeting like you were talking about. They were in it for the long haul for their for their life, their whole life, um, opening yeah. it up to, you know, I'm going to show you uh, my heart for the Lord, but also I'm going to show you the messiness of my heart and the messiness of my life and, um, and the ways that God's working in that. Um, And I think that when you are consistently opening up to someone and letting someone in, and then also entering into their life as well, that's when 
um, I think that's when the spirit does a lot of really amazing work in, in both of your yeah. lives. Yeah. Well, this has been a really great opening of why is disciple making important? Um, kind of what it is, what it looks like. Why should people be concerned with it? And I know that there is a lot of resources out there about disciple making. So just wanted to ask, are there any books or resources that you would recommend for further insight into disciple making for someone who is curious about it? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a there's a book that I recommended to Chris several months ago, um, Fortune Discipleship, Dan yeah. Spader. Um, it's just kind of a great overview. And, and the reason I love it is because it's not, it's not about a system, but it's just really kind of peeling back. How did, how did Jesus walk along mm-hmm. his disciples? What were some of the things that he did? Um, I think about master plan of evangelism is kind of a classic Robert Coleman for those who want to go a little bit like into a little bit more challenging read anything by discipleship with Alan Hirsch. Um, and it, it gets into kind of some of the nitty gritty, especially when you get into kind of like evaluating the early church and beginning mm. to, to look at some, so I encourage Alan Hirsch and there's some great churches out there. I mean, I, I love the stuff that our church, the Austin stone, we have some great discipleship resources, uh, Soma communities out of Tacoma, Washington. They have some great stuff that we've used, um, exponential as well has some great, so this, there's some really good resources out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that, you know, whoever's listening can kind of start thinking if, um, if disciple making hasn't been kind of part of your everyday life, um, part of your mission, you know, hopefully this can spark something in you just to get that thought process going of what can this look like for myself. And, you know, I highly, highly recommend checking out those, those books. Master plan is super short and really easy to read and it's really fun to read. Um, so yeah, check out some of those resources. Um, but Andy, before we wrap it up, is there anything else that you would like to share about disciple making in general? Yeah, I I think my encouragement for everybody who's listening is like, get, get in the game. You know, like it, the 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 important part is to start. It it's messy, it's hard. Discipleship's hard. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie to you. Like it, it, there's people who will uh, fail you. They'll let you down. There'll be celebrations. There'll be losses. Uh, but but get in the game because mm-hmm. I because I think the important thing, especially for a college student right now, is to build those lifelong rhythms. Right mm-hmm. to to begin. The, the longer that you wait, the harder that it is mm. to build it into the rhythms of your life. And so when you get into your 30s and 40s and 50s, it just gets that much harder. Um, right. And so the more that you can build those lifelong rhythms down here and in that, as I would say, prioritize it is, is mm. make it one of those things that isn't a, an option. It's not kind of secondary, but it's one of those primary things because the natural tendency, what I see even within discipleship is it's easy to push it out. It's easy to, oh, not now, later, next semester, next year, once I graduate, you know, like all the reasons that we push it out. Um, And, and, and so how do you prioritize it? And the last thing, the last encouragement I would give, it's okay not to know everything. Mm. And I just, there, there are things that when I'm discipling somebody that they ask me that I don't know, even now, 
right? But the, the beauty is, is that we can learn and discover those things together. And so you don't have to have everything together. You don't need to know everything. It's okay, actually, not to know everything. But you're just inviting people, go back to that relationship, that we're inviting people into what we're experiencing, what we've discovered, um, our relationship with the Lord, and we want to invite others into that as well. Mm, yeah, I love that encouragement. That's something that I always try to instill in the girl that I'm discipling is, you know, just want to let you know I'm not going to have all the answers, and it's okay for you not to have all the answers. Because um, honestly, when you s- tell someone that you don't know their the answer to their question, um, I think that goes a long way in trying instead of trying to make sure that you have the perfect polished answer. Yeah. It's like, well, disciple yeah. making in and of itself, like you said, is not perfect and polished. It's messy. Um, so yeah, just being real and vulnerable and just open um, with, with these, with the people in your life, I think is really, um, really the key. Uh, well, Andy, thank you so much for joining me and um, kind of kicking off this series of disciple making. I think that this is going to be a really good season, and I'm really glad that we got to start off by just hearing, you know, your heart for disciple making and um, just why it's so important. So, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a fun conversation to be with you today. what a fun discussion that was. I'm so glad that Andy could kick us off. Um, he, like I said, has just been a huge help in our ministry and helping us personally wrap our minds around what it looks like to be disciple makers. So a lot of our conversation will be centered on different aspects of disciple making. Um, you know, I said that disciple making is really made up of evangelism and discipleship. And so breaking those down even further, what it looks like to have gospel conversations with people, how to share the gospel with your friends, with your family, what community looks like. Um, we'll talk about what growing in your faith can look like um, and everything that's centered around disciple making I think will definitely hit in this season so guys make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of this amazing content Um, I'm so glad to be back and I hope you'll have a really great day and we will see you guys next week